Welcome back to Thirsty, the podcast. I'm Heather McGee, and today is part two of our conversation with Lindsay Flater and Jamie Martin about their journey through infertility. As you may know, our tagline is because sometimes life leaves you wanting more. And while that definitely applies to marriage and life after divorce, it also applies to many other things like body issues, mental health, career, and any number of other life events that challenge us. We've brought together a couple women to discuss their experiences with infertility today. And if you have been or are currently going through this process yourself, we hope it helps you feel less alone. If you're an ally, we hope this helps you understand how to support others you know who may be dealing with us. This is part two of our panel discussion of the journey through infertility. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my entire life was acceptance because I think, I don't know, I think for me, I always felt like if I don't like the path my life is taking, I'm going to work so hard to change it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to, you know, force of will and with infertility, guess what? That doesn't work. It's really out of your hands to a large degree. And, um, I remember while I was while I was going through this, I remember this is back when I worked in TV. Lindsay and I probably learned this lesson at the same time, but we were working with a guest on one of our shows and the show was about acceptance. And to me, I always defined acceptance as um, giving up almost and which I don't relate to that at all. You know, I never give up. And this person was like, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. That means that you know that what is happening is the truth and it is the fact. It does not mean that it's okay. And that was the thing that changed it for me because I always, I would fight it. If I didn't like it, I would fight it. And I remember this, he's a spiritual teacher and uh, Eckhart Tolle for anyone who's not familiar. And he said, you know, people make their lives so much tougher because they fight what's going on. And if you can learn to accept it, that doesn't mean it's okay, but then you can actually confront the lessons you need to confront and you can actually move on with your life because you're not sitting there just fighting the truth of what is happening. And that has been such a, I mean, not only with infertility, with other things, but I think it's really helpful with infertility because there's so much that is out of your control. There's not yeah. much you can do about it. And I love that because that's kind of how I was relating to acceptance. Every time my coach would bring it up, I was like, I'm not giving up <laughs> right. what we're talking about. And I was like, but I don't understand. Like, can you reorient me, please? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's, that's how I landed on like, oh, I can still take action towards my ultimate goal, but let go of the outcome. Like it's the holding on to the desired outcome. That was really what I was fighting. Yeah. So that's what brought me peace. More that's, peace. Heather, that's so funny that you say that about Eckhart Tolle, because I talk about, I talk about him all the time in terms of like, he always says that suffering is when people <laughs> want to make the moment something it's not, and you need to accept the moment, what it is and deal with that. And between 2020, between the pandemic and the infertility, I said to everybody, 2020, the greatest lesson I ever had to learn was that I am not in control. 2020 taught me that lesson. 2021 is when I accepted it. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. huge. Because the lesson I learned in 2020, boundaries. Because oh, those are good too. <laughs> yeah. 
because we were, we, we ended up getting pregnant and the pandemic hit and everybody around us was like, Oh, well, we'll just come visit you. And I was like, uh, uh, we don't know what this will do with the baby. And I just went through infertility. I am not risking this child, you know? And, but that was such a hard conversation because we said no to so many things because everybody else was like, Oh, it's not that bad. It's summer and all this stuff. And we're like, no. And to the point that there was something going on. I can't remember what event it was. There was some event and, and, oh, it was my nephew's baptism. And my mom, I told my mom, I said, we're not going. And she's like, but it's, it's going to be all of this, all of this social distance. And I said, it's a week before I'm, or two weeks before I'm due. If I go in to the hospital and my husband or I test positive, my son, who I worked so hard to get is going to be taken away from me until they deem it safe. I'm not doing that, you know, and that was such a hard thing to communicate, but it was like, no, I, I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of time. I pumped myself with drugs. Like there is no way I'm putting this child at risk at this point in time. That, that was a hard, those were hard boundaries to have to learn. Well, you're also making me think about, it's not over once you get pregnant. Like I think when people haven't uh, dealt with infertility, like if one day you're like, oh, guess what? I'm pregnant. There's finally, I think when I finally told, cause there was a certain point where I had to tell people I wasn't excited, you know, because the thing is you work so hard to get pregnant and then somehow some there's, this is how I felt. I don't think the data says this, but this is how it felt. I worked so hard to get pregnant. And then I had a miscarriage at one point. I was like, it took me two years to get pregnant. And then I have a miscarriage. Like, this is just like incredible, you know? And I, I think that's the thing that struck me is like getting to, I don't know, first base is so hard, but it's not over. Like maybe you get pregnant. like, is it going to make it all the way? I don't know. And you can't get excited because you've been disappointed so many times before. That's like overwhelming to think about. And like you were saying, Jamie, I want to do a shower. I want to do this. Absolutely. Now I'm going to sit on this chair until the baby is out of me. If I make it that far. And that's really how you think all the time. Completely. I mean, that, and then add the pandemic onto it. And it was just like, it's taken my husband and I a very long time to get to the place where we're like, oh, maybe it's actually okay for us to do things because we, we were so scared because we worked so hard for our son and didn't, didn't want anything to happen to him. I mean, we don't, no parent does, but it was it's oof, the energy around it is so different. It's heightened. It's, it's heightened. heightened. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all feel like, cause I think it sounds like you guys were maybe a little bit more open than I was, which is funny. Cause I'm an oversharer, but in this department, it's like, I couldn't, it wasn't that I was embarrassed to talk about. I couldn't say the words. Like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes think people are being private when really it's like, I would love to talk about it, but making my mouth say the words is really challenging. Um, do you all feel like talking about it was that helpful or did that make it harder you know because people say things that are not real great sometimes for me sometimes it helped sometimes it didn't I think um there were definitely times I will say I the first time I was public with it outside of my like really close group of friends and my family um was after the second IVF and um I just had to tell some people because I needed to take a little bit of time from work. And um, I 
you know, people, obviously when you're young and you're talking about having children, everybody's always asking you. And I couldn't have that conversation 50 times. So I did the old Instagram post and I took a picture. I had a picture of all my syringes and meds and the whole thing. And I just did it on Instagram and was like, this is where we're at. IVF didn't work. We've been doing this for so long. It's time to move on. I'm sad. And um, when I did that, I was overwhelmed by the amount of women who I knew that came to me and said, me too. I I had my daughter, I had a friend from college who was like, oh, I had my, my daughter through IVF, had no idea. Other women saying, I understand it took me a long time to get pregnant. I had three miscarriages before I had my two kids. Like the amount of women that came forward sharing what they had been through knocked me over. And I was, and I thought, why is no one talking about this? Like, this is most of the women I know. And they're all, it's all happening. So why isn't anyone talking about it? And after that, my floodgates opened. And I was like, if I can say something, because as well-meaning as people are, you both know, nobody understands this until they've been through it. And when you can connect with someone who's been through it, there is this automatic connection where I know I can say anything to the two of you and both of you are just going to be nodding and say, yep, totally get it. And that's, Um, and that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that post. I cried a little bit (laughs) because I knew. I mean, it's hard. Like it's hard. It's so hard. It's like, and you want it to work out. Um, It's like, we were talking about this earlier. There's such a duality of like, sometimes life is so hard and it is so unfair (laughs) And you have this, what I think is, I used to be a very binary thinker, but I think infertility and then divorce has taught me you get both sides. Like sometimes life's worst moments also lead to some of the best, um, mm-hmm. best outcomes, like friendships, relationships, understanding yourself so much better. Uh, but it's both at the same time. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, and that's, I mean, that's, it's interesting because I, I came to the conclusion pretty early that I needed to share um, in, in my journey. So I had people who knew pretty quick. I mean, one, one person I worked with was like, every time Jamie, you see a baby, your ovaries jump out. They're like, (laughs) Oh, come on, come to me, you know? Um, so people already knew that that's something I desired. And I, like Lindsay, like you said, I didn't want people asking me like, so what's, are you going to have a baby? Are you not going to have a baby? Um, and so for me, it, 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 I started having the conversation. And what was interesting is it wasn't the, the women who necessarily said me too. I had a few women who did, but I worked in IT. I worked in technology. And the guys that said it, that opened up and were like, oh, we did too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to talk to my wife. Like, that's when I started being like, oh, you guys never talked. Like, you did not talk about this. Um, it also opened my eyes to what my husband was going through because yeah. I realized even though I was going and getting supported, he was sitting there being my rock mm-hmm. and always having to be my rock. And I eventually was like, who's your rock? Cause I know it's not me. <laughs> right. Like we all know that that's not happening. <laughs> right. Barely <laughs> uh, upright. Bare- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bare- you know, like, um, 
but eventually like I was able to have enough conversations where he was struggling and I was able to be like, all right, come to my therapist with me, you know, and like have those conversations. But that's when I started realizing I, I, for this purpose, I needed to be the voice for other people, for other women. And so I was going to be the person who was going to start to bring it forward and have these conversations. And, but I, I realized that there's, there's so much stigma around this and in the workplace, the stress of it is so it impacts it. Like we don't want to say it does, but it does. I remember being in executive meetings, finding out I wasn't pregnant and just wanting to bawl my eyes out and Mm -hmm. having to pay attention to what our sales numbers were. Like, this isn't important to me right now. This is, we're not talking about anything that is of value in this conversation. Um, and so that was really a struggle. And I felt like I needed to, I was being called to be a voice, be somebody who talks about this, be somebody who talks about it in professional settings. Um, even my mom this week was like, I heard you talk about this on LinkedIn. <laughs> I do. Because leaders and bosses need to know that there is likely somebody in your organization who is either going through it and getting the shots or who's supporting somebody who's going through it. And that has an effect. Lindsay, you made me think about this and you're making me think about this too, Jamie. There are so many, uh, a lot of times the things that happen in our life that maybe we don't want to talk about the times when I have been brave enough to bring it up. I am shocked by the response. You know, like when I start talking about getting a divorce, I can't even tell you the number of DMs and messages that I get from women sharing things that honestly are really personal. And I have to imagine they're not telling many people about it. And when I think about things like infertility, divorce, you know, getting sick, you know, different things that happen in our life that are really private and hard to say out loud, if you are able to talk about it, something that I, which is why I don't know, I feel strongly about this podcast and about sharing our stories and probably is why I'm an oversharer. You find out actually you're not the only one and you're not even in the minority, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. actually it's super common. And, um, somehow that makes it a little bit better. It makes you feel like less of a failure. I mean, I know at work, I didn't talk about it at all. Lindsay and I talked about this a little bit when we worked together, I was having daily things going on and I wore long sleeves so nobody could see my arms. Cause I'm not kidding. It looked like I had a drug, a intravenous drug issue, um, or I was getting beat up or something. And, um, you know, something that hit me, I'm really bad about talking about things going on in my life at times, or I used to be. And I remember I went to work and I was having an active miscarriage. Why did I go to work? Why did I go to work? And uh, for anyone who's had a miscarriage, which it turns out as most women, it's really, uh, it can be very traumatic and there's a big physical component. And I remember I had some things happen. I went into my boss's office because I couldn't hide anymore. I was like, I was supposed to go on a shoot. This is when Lindsay and I worked for a television company and we had a big shoot and I was supposed to go the next day. I was like, I don't, I, I'm having a problem. And I finally had to come clean and fess up what had been going on. And they were, and my two bosses were horrified and they were like, you need to go home. You're not going on this shoot. Don't come back until you feel okay. And it was such a like wake up call because we're so used to like, you know what? And I think infertility is so stressful. It's one of those things that triggers a coping mechanism where you try to pretend mm-hmm. everything's normal. When it's not normal, you know, and it kind of like you split yourself into like my normal professional self that where everything's okay, when really in private, everything's kind of awful. 
you know, it's like you split yourself in two and it, it I don't know. I, I don't know why people do that, but I think it's pretty normal. The cart, the compartmentalizing. It's like, it's so funny, Heather. And I feel like I, I think about this so many times because, you know, as you said, like you were having this issue and you went to our bosses and they responded as you would expect someone to, but there was something that kept you from saying anything and that, that fear. And it was the same thing with me when I finally told my boss, that person was one of the most compassionate people about the entire situation. And um, when I said, I'm, I I too was, I was working, but it was remote. So that was a little bit easier. I wasn't sitting in an office chair but I was having an active miscarriage and I worked Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, everything started happening. And all of a sudden I just was like, I cannot do this. There's nothing I am working on right now that matters to me. I want to just curl up into a ball. And so I asked my boss if we could chat. We had a team meeting and I asked if, if we could chat And we got on the Zoom and I just completely lost it and was like, I am not okay. I I need to stop working. And of course, my boss was like, yes, absolutely. Please stop working and don't come back until you feel better. But again, like Heather said, like, why didn't I just do that? Yeah. Like, what messages are we getting sent that we feel like we have no options? Yeah, most of us don't work for monsters. Like I can tell you right now, if anyone from my team came in, I'd be like, what? Go home. Like, don't work. Like, go home. Don't come back until you are okay, a little bit okay. Like, okay enough to be here. Like, most of us don't work for monsters that are, you, nobody wants anyone on their team doing that. Yeah. But what's interesting is, is, Lindsay, you're talking about what's the story. We're kind of that first generation of women who are trying to reorient ourselves to what do we want to bring to work? Because the generation before us didn't really have that many people to look up to. So they looked up to the guys and the guys were like, don't bring family, don't bring anything, just come in, work hard, suck it up, do your job. And there's such a fear that if you didn't do that, you were going to get fired. We were raised to fall in line, do your job, keep your head down and keep going forward. And you can't in this space, right? You can't when you're going through something so traumatic that it's, you need space to be able to breathe and to function and grieve. We don't create the space for grieving in the workplace. What are some of your strongest takeaways or lessons that you have picked up so far along your journey with infertility or your experience with it? Really, I rekindled my spiritual life through this, I, I was very, uh, like very lost spiritually. Um, and now I've got a, a stronger spiritual grounding that started through infertility. I also learned I have a stronger voice than I realized. Mm. What about you? Lindsay? A lot of love. <laughs> a lot of love. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think this experience has profoundly changed me. Um, I, I know 
that I will never be the same. I think people want to talk about like getting over it and moving on and all of those things. But there is a scar that's on my heart that's never going to go away. And that's okay. And it's okay if every once in a while I feel a little bit of grief or something happens and it makes me extra emotional. It's okay. I can can hold that and have that and let it go. Um, I am far more compassionate. I am significantly less judgmental. I um, am very grateful for all of the things I do have because I think there are definitely things that you have to look for and remind yourself. I'm, I'm really grateful for the family and the friends that I have. I'm really grateful for my husband. Um, I saw who he was at the very depths of his core. And uh, I can't believe that man married me. And um, physically and mentally, there's a lot that my body can do. And I'm really grateful for that. And I just feel like, like Heather, you said earlier, this experience can be so lonely. And I just feel like if there is any way that me talking about it can make someone feel less alone, I I can't, I don't want to say I'm grateful for this experience because it's horrible and it sucks. And I think it's toxically positive to say oh, I'm so glad this happened to me. I am not glad this happened to me. I would rather have learned all of these lessons just through like living my happy little life. Um, but I I do hope that I can, you know, take take positive things out of something bad. I can find some good. And I think I've done that. And also, um, not to toot my own horn, but it taught me that I'm actually really fucking strong. Sorry mm. to swear, but mm-hmm. I'm actually a really, <laughs> I'm actually a really fucking strong woman because after all of that, I'm here and I'm still standing and I still love life and I love people and um, I believe in good things mm. and something that I never even thought about. And at the depths of my despair, when I felt like, I was broken. I found out that I wasn't so fragile, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I think I I can totally relate to that, that like, even when you're so down and you feel like there's, there's no hope you, you, you found yourself being able to get up and actually do the shot one more time. Mm-hmm. Getting ready for this episode made me think about this a lot. And we alluded to this a little bit before. I think, and I feel exactly the same way you do, Lindsay. Uh, I would love to have not gone through this at all. Like, you know, I always like whenever anything happens, I always know like, okay, what can I learn? What can I take away from this? I do think that way. That doesn't mean I'm glad it happened. You know, it's more the acceptance thing. Well, it did happen. So what am I going to do with that? I think for me, the biggest lesson really was, I am less in control of my life than I thought. And to actually in the past, I think I used to put the the goal or the outcome. Like I would think about like, well, what's the outcome I want? And then how do I get there? 
And in certain cases, like infertility and sometimes relationships, you just have to do your best. And actually, like now I put the journey first. And I know journey is like a funny word. That's a little bit of a cliche, but I don't know what else to call it. The experience. I put the experience of it first. Outcome, I hope for the best, obviously. But I have learned through this. You can do everything right. You can even go so far above and beyond and it still doesn't work out. Like women push their bodies. Like there are women I know that have been trying for 10 years. You know, Mm -hmm. you push yourself so far. And um, I think that was the big thing I took away. Putting the experience first, putting the journey first, not being so attached to the outcome of, I think I had a deeper understanding of life. Finally, dealing with infertility, which is like the core of, you know, life, I would say, um, I don't know. It, it it definitely made me appreciate things. It made me think about uh, how I think about life, uh, being less attached to outcomes that maybe that's not where the value is actually. And you just have to do my best and hope, hope it works out. Yeah. Um, and that if it doesn't work out, that's not a failure. It's just it, literally, it's just what happened. It's just what happened. It, you don't have to put like extra on it. It's not a success or a failure. It's just what happened. And that's really all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed me forever. Like even today talking about it, and this is pretty far in the past for me. I did have two kids and I never wanted to go through that again. I was like, this is it. <laughs> never doing that again. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I agree with you, Lindsay. I think I have a scar on my heart forever too. Thinking about it stresses me out. It's so hard. It's scary to go back into it and go back down and be like, all right, let's do it again. And I've, I've done two STEM cycles already with, failures. I mean, the first one was COVID, so it got canceled. I like to make sure people know that because even now with COVID kind of tapering back, it still can cancel somebody's IVF cycle. So when somebody's going through this and they re- want you to be testing and masking, just honor that. <laughs> just do it. Just, just do it. Don't ask questions. <laughs> just do it. Suck it up. It's not going to make that break make or break your life it may make or break their bank account and their lives yeah I did and I really do mean this as a joke I promise I know it sounds like dark I guess it is dark humor but there was uh I remember one of my friends was pregnant and it was early on and they had some sort of reason to do an internal ultrasound and she was telling me about it she didn't know I she didn't know what I was going through but she uh said I'm like oh internal ultrasounds are the worst I just looked at her because I think at that point I had had easily a mm-hmm. hundred oh, easily a yeah. hundred and I was like oh my god <laughs> I can't deal with this right now I was Go. gonna say I don't want to scare anybody but like I don't know if either of you had to do the intrauterine x-ray oh yeah oh, that no. sucks Oh, zero, so zero out of 10. And I also did, um, do not recommend before, before we did the egg donor, or when, when we were doing our egg donor, um, and that you could do like a whole nother show on that. If any of your listeners have questions about that, yeah. egg donors, like come to me. Cause everybody's like, wait, what I could tell you all about it. Um, so I also did a uterine biopsy, which oh, another, oh, those are fun. Zero out of 10. Do not recommend that <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah. And they had to give me Valium. Like oh, I, they gave me Valium it. anyway. I, I didn't get Valium. I got, I got Valium. I got Valium before my embryo transfers. They gave me Valium. Oh, I like your doctor. I know. Oh, yeah. Lindsay's got the best <laughs> yeah. doctor confirmed. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. They were like, no, no, you need to be relaxed. All right. 
So to close us out today, is there, the last thing I just want to ask y'all, is there anything, you know, I'm sure there's women or there are people with uteruses listening, uteri, uteruses, I don't know, which is the plural, they they can carry a baby, you know, that are uh, going through this right now. Is there anything that you would want to say to them that you think might be helpful or for them to think about? I think it's just find your support network. If it's one, two, three people, just know who you can go to for all of it. Like the ups, the downs, the sideways, the holy crap, I'm actually putting a four inch needle in my body. Are you kidding me? Um, moments because, and they're likely not the people you think. And anytime that somebody says it's, it's probably because you're stressed out. Listen to my therapist who told me the whole time. She's like, they didn't do any studies that stress affects this. You know why she told me that? So I wouldn't stress about getting stressed. <laughs> smart woman, smart woman. <laughs> so just remember, like, if somebody brings that back, just let that go and lean in to support people who are really there to, to cheer you on. Like us, we're here to cheer you on. I totally agree with that. And I would, I would add, um, allow yourself to feel your feelings, take care of your mental health, whatever that is. If that's journaling, walking, meditating, breathing, prayer, drinking a glass of wine, friends, <laughs> drinking a glass of wine, <laughs> exercise, Take care of your mental health because you need it. And know you are not alone. It may feel that way sometimes, but you are absolutely not alone. And you're stronger than you think you are. I agree. Is there anything that we have not talked about today that's important to you to bring up? I would just like to say, I remember, Heather, when you were pregnant, I remember when you had your babies and that in and of itself was a whole journey. And it makes my heart so happy to see those two beautiful children and see them thriving and see you as a mother and see those two nuggets, as I like to call them, just living their best life. It makes me so happy. And I'm so glad for you. Lindsay, you're killing me. (laughs) It just makes me happy because I, I, saw that journey and it was not easy. And uh, just for those of you who don't know, Heather was also crushing it at work during that time. So like, that's also really impressive. Um, But it just makes me so happy to see them now. Me too. Me too. I remember uh, my doctor said something that stuck with me over time. This was when I had my first miscarriage and I was so upset and I was like, um, I was like, did I do something to make this happen? You know, is it my fault? And something she shared with me that I want to say to other people too, is she said, you know, if people knew the amount of hurdles that humans go through to come out into the world, you'd be surprised that the human uh, species has proliferated at all whatsoever. And she was like, this is not your fault. You did absolutely nothing wrong here. And the fact that babies get born at all is actually, when they call it a miracle, it is a true miracle. And there's nothing wrong with you. The default is not at working out, actually. And I know that sounds a little fatalist, but that actually helped me a lot. And I was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, this is how life goes sometimes. And it's just the truth of it. It's not your fault. All right. Well. I want to thank our guests today for coming on to share their very personal stories. I know this stuff is hard to talk about at times, and we hope this helps some of you to feel a little less alone with this struggle. You really aren't by yourself. We are holding space for all of you that are dealing with infertility. Got your hands on your back. We're going to have more next week. Or your belly. 
Yeah, or your belly, back or belly. You you pick. You pick. Yeah. You, you choose the spot. All right. Thank you to our guest today. I hope everybody out there has a good week. And thank you for joining us. Bye. Still thirsty? You can get bonus content by subscribing to The Thirst Trap on Spotify or Apple. Or shop Thirsty Gear at thirstythepodcast.com. And don't forget to share this show with your community. Rate, review, and follow us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you.